I want to know, can someone tell me what this is? Chocolate. Yeah, nice. Good job. Advent calendar. <laughs> it's an advent calendar. Okay. So um, Shannon got me an advent, advent calendar, which is great. I like chocolate. Um, I don't know about you, but have you, ever, um, have you ever gone ahead on an advent calendar? Do you know what I mean? You sort of get to maybe day 10 or day 11, 10th of December, 11th of December, and there's that temptation to jump ahead. There's that temptation to, well, you know, the 12th and the 13th, it's just down the road. Yeah. You know, so I, I, maybe I'll just, um, I'll, I'll, I'll take the 12th and the 13th now, and, um, and that'll be good. But um, when it comes to Advent, who can tell me what Advent is? Oh, this is going to be a good day. This is awesome. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is going to be really cool. All right. So I, I grew up Presbyterian. Um, that's not, a, that's not a, something to apologize for. It was really great. I learned all my best Bible stories there. It's where I learned a lot of my, the scripture that I still know. Um, as a Presbyterian, we didn't really celebrate Advent as such. Um, as a Pentecostal, so when we, when we joined the Apostolic Church in, in Chicago, we didn't really celebrate Advent either. Um, in fact, um, up until probably a few weeks ago, um, the only thing that I sort of knew about Advent was that we got calendars and um, we got to eat chocolate once a day and you sort of had to wait for your chocolate and it was with anticipation and, and that was about it. But... Um, the thing is, is that when it comes to Christmas, there's actually this season that comes before Christmas. Christmas is more than just celebrating the birth of Christ. It's not just Jesus' birthday. Although um, it would be great to have cake next week. Um, not really just because of Jesus' birthday. If he could blow out the candles, that would be pretty sweet. But um, it's not just because of that. Um, it's not just Jesus' birthday that's in this season. But there's actually this period before Christmas now, I don't know about you, but sort of the three weeks or the four weeks before Christmas, it can be one of the most exciting, almost anxious times of year because you've got the expectation of Christmas happening. And the thing is, is that um, in the Christian calendar and traditionally in the Christian calendar, there was this whole idea of Advent. Okay, there was this season that happened before Christmas that was called Advent, okay, which was basically in the Western church. So this is more the traditional churches. So think um, Anglican, think Catholic. You'd always talk about Advent like around this time of year. Um, for, for, it would be like the four weeks before Christmas. And the whole idea behind Advent was the confident expectation and um, preparation for Christ's coming. So it was actually the whole attitude of this whole season where you're reflecting on the fact that the Saviour's coming to us. Now, I don't know about you, but the four weeks before Christmas is not necessarily the least stressful time of the year. I don't know about you, but I mean, um, Stephen, how many places have you been in in the last week? Um, too many. Too many? So uh, from, what I, from, from Stephen's Facebook feed, which I've stalked, um, <laughs> he's been in Northland, Invercargill, graduated, had parties, which I wasn't invited to. Um, <laughs> What else? Where else have you been? Oh, up in Cromwell now doing worship on Sunday, hey? Arrowtown. Arrowtown, and that's just a week. Now, I don't know about you guys, but who's had, like, probably two or three events this week, just, like, just this week? Who's got the craziness of um, Christmas coming up? Okay, so we're all in that season. We all, we all sort of have this season where it's sort of a time of stress out. The thing is, is that when it comes to Advent and the whole idea of the Christian Advent, Advent was actually a time to slow down. It was a time to reflect. So before any, so Christmas was originally a feast day in the Jewish calendar. Okay, so it was basically you just got to eat a whole lot. But before that, there'd be the season of fasting, the season of repentance, the season of reflection. 
And I think that as Westerners, um, we've kind of lost that a little bit, hey? Like Christmas is like this mad rush where we're trying to just keep our head above water. So that's what I want to talk about today. I just want to, um, now I'm not an expert on it. Um, Ironically, while preparing this message, I only finished this message about half past one this morning, which sort of actually proves the rule. So we'll talk about hypocrisy next week. Um, But if it's important to me, if it's something that God's really challenging me with, I'm sure that there's other people in the room that, you know, God's wanting to challenge you as well. And if this is, I don't know about you, but there's seasons when it comes to the Christian calendar, there's seasons, like there's times of breathing in, there's times of breathing out, there's times of craziness, and there's times of pause. So in the weeks leading up to Christmas, when our culture is shouting at us to spend, buy, and consume, the season of Advent teaches us to slow down and reflect on God's story and our place in it. It teaches us patience, which I don't know about you, but I definitely need and cultivates within us a childlike sense of anticipation and longing. Now, as kids, can you remember Christmas coming? Like, it was like Christmas would be so long, and that season of anticipation would sort of build, and the closer it got to Christmas, you'd sleep less because you'd want to see Santa Claus or the reindeer or whoever else you want to put in that that space. But when it comes to anticipation, Advent does this by helping us to remember the historical silence of the scriptures between the Old and New Testaments. Now, the thing is, is that like we think of the Old Testament, it finishes, and then the New Testament, and we think of that as if it was just like, okay, you turn the page and it just happened. What you have to understand is that, particularly in our, with our Bible, um, if you look at it from a chronological point of view... In between where, say, Isaiah, which talks about the coming Messiah, and it's got some really great... If you want to see the Old Testament talking about the Messiah, in fact, the whole Old Testament sort of alludes to the fact that Jesus is coming, the Messiah is coming. We stuffed up, but it's okay. God has a plan for us to take us out of slavery. But if you take someone like Isaiah, who like really specifically talks about the Messiah that's going to come, so he was one of the major prophets... There's actually this 700-year period between the major prophets. Then there were some minor prophets that were like specifically for a geographical area. It was like, so rather than for all of, for all of the, um, the Hebrew people, all of Israel, instead it was like specifically for a people group. That was why the, the minor prophets, because they were only speaking to one group of people rather than everyone. But even with the minor prophets, this is this 400-year period of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. In fact, in the, Catholic, um, in the Catholic Bible, the Catholic Bible has a few more books than us. The Catholic Bible actually includes, like, um, uh, First and Second Maccabees, which is basically about these guys that martyred themselves, even though no one had heard from God. There was this period of silence of, like, 300 years at that point. You imagine martyring yourself for during a time where people just weren't 100% sure that God was even coming anymore. So you have to understand that. Think of it from a Jewish point of view. Think of it as, um, as this 300 period. When you start seeing the signs that the Messiah is coming, when you start seeing the signs that Jesus is coming, can you understand the anticipation that they're going through? Can you understand the expectation that if Christ is coming... Christ is coming. God hasn't forgotten us. God hasn't forsaken us. I don't know about you, but I'd be preparing at 100 miles an hour. I'd be like, oh my goodness, the Messiah's coming. Oh my goodness, the Messiah's coming. 
See, this is the expectation of a soon-coming Messiah. Advent helps us to anticipate Jesus' future return and the eventual, eventual completion of his works in redeeming and renewing all of creation. See, when Jesus came, um, when Jesus came, when Christmas came, it's really interesting because a lot of the, a lot of the, um, a lot of the, uh, not the prophets, but a lot of the scholars at the time really honestly thought it would be Jesus, Jesus in an army. Do you notice that quite often the disciples go, oh, great, okay, are we going to defeat Rome now? Okay, and that happened more than once in the New Testament. See, um, Advent spiritually is about recognising that we're living in the now but not yet. See, Jesus has begun a work, but he hasn't yet completed it. He said it is finished, and it is finished. But the way that, like, the, the new heaven and the new earth that's going to come... Like, we're not living in that reality just yet. We're living in the, the space between um, the pain of the world that we live in at the moment where we see broken people, we see hurting people, we see people without hope, we see people um, uh, getting into areas of darkness, and then the promise of what's to come. That promise that Jesus is coming again, there's going to be no tears, there's going to be no pain, there's going to be no shame. It's restoring creation to himself. So we're currently living in the place between promise and completion. During Advent, we sort of hear John the Baptist saying, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him, as we eagerly await the Messiah's return. For us as Christians, the season of Advent, so Advent is a season, it's not just a, a day that we celebrate, it's that whole idea. Like Advent in the traditional calendar is a bit like Lent. You know, the 40 days before... Okay, so Lent is the 40 days before... Um, you know, Jesus died on the cross, and again, it's that spiritual preparation. And I love that idea, and I think as, particularly as Pentecostals, we kind of we miss that sometimes. We miss that season because we don't, um, because we don't celebrate the, the holidays and the seasons maybe as well as some of the traditional expressions. Sometimes we miss that, the way that the rhythm of the year goes. For Christians, Advent is a time for spiritual preparation, reflection, and repentance, which directly opposes our culture's penchant for busyness, overspending, and overindulgence in the lead-up to, uh, to Christmas, not Christians. <laughs> so in a time where the world would tell us it's time to get faster, it's time to become busy, this is the silly season, Advent actually teaches us it's time to slow down. It's time to reflect the Messiah is coming. This is a time... Advent's a time where the entire world breathed in, waiting for the Messiah to come. It's that pregnant pause. I'm not prophesying pregnancy over everyone. And um, <laughs> although if you want that, I'm happy to pray for you. It's, um, see, um, the well-known, um, there's this guy, Michael Spencer, who's known as the Internet Monk. Olivia, you just hit Tim. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I'm moving on. The internet monk, Michael Spencer, illustrates the difference between Advent and Christmas. He says, Christmas is joyous, but the joy comes after weeks of waiting, watching, lamenting, and calling upon God. Advent is the season of waiting, of looking for signs and promises of the Savior in the scriptures and in the world. See, the thing is, is in that 400 years of silence, in that time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, do you know God was preparing the way for the Messiah to come? Do you know that in that 400 years you had, like a lot of the really famous classical 
um, classical empires happened. There was the Persian Empire happened in that 400 years. The Greek Empire happened in that 400 years. The Roman Empire um, started in that 400 years. Um, the Roman Empire literally took over pretty much all of the civilised world. The Roman Empire also like connected like most of the main areas together. The Roman Empire built roads between main, um, the main cities. And see, the thing that you have to understand is what was happening is that there was this perfect storm of the people and the entire world that was known at the time getting prepared for receiving the gospel. So the disciples, once they got to Jesus' time and the disciples came, there's roads for them, there's post systems, there's the ability to send letters, there's um, a similar culture, so there were only sort of like three or four dominant cultures at the time. So you notice that the Gospels are written to apply to the four dominant cultures at the time. That's pretty amazing. So God, even in your, in your situation... Where you think that God might be silent in your situation, you have to understand that he's preparing the way. This could be a season of Advent to you. And so for you, what you can do is you can prepare your heart. You can prepare and you can sit there confidently knowing the Messiah is coming for you. That his desire is to redeem your whole situation. I don't know if you're on the highest, the highest mountain or the lowest valley today, but God wants to redeem your situation. The Messiah is coming. He wants to dwell with you. He wants to be with you. He wants yeah. to speak into your situation. And so what you see as silence could actually be um, you're being set up for the greatest win that you're ever going to have in your life. You think of the poor old um, non-Messianic Jews, the ones that didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They're still waiting in that season of Advent now. They're still waiting for the Messiah to come. They've been waiting for 2,000 years now. That confident expectation that the Messiah is coming. See, Advent's not just a countdown to Christmas, but it's a journey across time. Imagine if you were a Jew living in the first century and you knew that the promised Messiah, the King of Kings, was arriving. You would be most likely filling your mind each day with thoughts of repentance and preparation. If we know that we're going to meet Jesus then wouldn't you put your house in order? Wouldn't you prepare the way? Oh my goodness, the Messiah is coming. Oh my goodness, the Messiah is coming. Oh my goodness, the Messiah is about to meet with us. If you knew that the God of the universe would be on your very soil, you would probably call all your friends and tell them this news, preparing the biggest and best birthday party the world has ever seen. That's why preparing before Christmas is really important, because Christmas for us as Christians is not just... Um, uh, is not just a celebration of being together. It's the start of the biggest rescue mission that we've ever seen. It's one of the best opportunities that we have to share with people about who Christ is. See, for us, it's up to us to put the Christ in Christmas. See, when we see Christmas, we have to understand that Christmas is Christmas Day. Jesus being born is not just something that we look back on and go, oh, that was nice. It's actually one of those moments that's suspended in time. It's one of those moments which is um, so important that we're still outworking what it meant for Jesus to come to earth. Like there's like Christmas Day when Jesus was born, all of history can be separated into what came before and what come after. It's one of those moments. Where were you when? <laughs> See, 
in turn, it fills our Christian life with spiritual purpose. God came in the flesh, stepping from outside of time and space to impact the past, the present, and the future. So Paul, in Romans 6, 4, Paul writes and says that Christ died and rose again for us, but that we were buried with him and raised into new life with him. So with each day, we're proclaiming that this is our present reality. Now, um, there's a few parents in the room. I don't know about you, for us, Christmas becomes the toy apocalypse. Okay, so it's, um, we'll just see how big we can make the mountain this year. Um, my my mum and dad were huge on Christmas, like it was, ridi- it was ridiculous, like it was embarrassing. They'd go into debt every year and then spend the whole year paying themselves out of debt just so they could go into debt again for Christmas. Um, I remember sort of three or four years ago, mum would... Um, Mum and Dad got us a trailer load of presents. And there was a trailer load for me, and there was a trailer load for Shannon, and there was a trailer load for the kids, and that's ridiculous. Poor old Santa couldn't keep up with Mum and Dad. <laughs> when Santa become the when Santa become like the second thing on the right... Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so how do we keep our focus on Christmas and the torrent of materialism? Can we celebrate the days of Advent... With, when there's so many other things to take our attention away from the entire reason the season exists. I think that the trick is, is that um, Christmas is, and Advent is not just a time of receiving, but it's a time of expecting. It's the time leading up to our celebration of God's fulfillment of his ancient promise, during which we remember the centuries Israel spent in waiting. Now, I don't know about you, but the longest thing that you've waited for in your life probably wasn't for 400 years. You imagine if the promise of God that's been spoken over your life wasn't just for this generation, but it was actually your grandchildren's 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 grandchildren that would walk in the promise that God had first prophesied over you. So when we begin to think about Advent, when we begin to think about pausing and have this confident expectation, we turn down the volume on the culture and we turn up the volume on the Spirit of God. We carve spaces out of our time so that we can actually sit there with the confident expectation that God's going to meet us here today. We let that voice, the voice of God, guide us and remind us that this season is about a promise that God is going to do what he has promised he is going to do. He's faithful, God. His promises are yes and amen. His word doesn't return void. And he's going to do that for every single one of us who's put our hope in in him. See, Advent is about a promise. In the garden, when Adam and Eve first sinned and all the world broke, God promised to send a son who would redeem all that was lost and save the world from their sins. When Jesus came, God proved that he keeps his word. The first Christmas wasn't about warm fuzzies and fake smiles. It was an act of war on death and darkness, planned from before the foundation of the world by a God who doesn't lose. Look at the extremes to which Jesus has gone to win us back from the death that we've earned to give mercy in place of the wrath, uh, the wrath that we deserved. See, what, what the scripture says, though in very nature God, he didn't hoard that. Instead, with kindness and compassion, Jesus emptied himself. And the king of kings made himself a servant. He got up from his throne where he ruled and reigned with all the riches and perfection of heaven, wrapped himself in flesh and moved in our poverty and brokenness. 
You might think that you don't have much at the moment, but you have everything. You have everything. You have everything. The one who hung the stars and created all things was born to a virgin in a barn so that he might be hung on the cross by the very ones he created. He laid down his life so that we might live. This is our God. The one who fulfills everything that he says. If he has done all this before, proving himself faithful, then moving forward, surely we can count on him to keep his word now. So you think of the promises of God. You think of the promises that God's given you over the years. You think of the prophecies that have been spoken over you. Our God is a faithful God. He's a God who keeps his promise. It might be living in the not now, but soon. It might be living in the now, but not yet. It might be living in the, uh, it might be living in the, um, in the future. But God is a God of promises. He's a God of yes and amen. So what do we do? What do we, um, so I don't know about you, but I go through periods where I kind of get a bit burnt out over Christmas. Like Christmas is like one of the most stressful times um, because, um, because, my, um, because my parents passed away. Christmas is one of those hard times sometimes. Like I, I'm not sure whether it, um, sometimes it's a really good time of reflection and just happiness. Sometimes um, it's a time where grief starts to leak out a little bit. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Um, birthdays are a bit like that for me too sometimes. But um, Max Licato says this. So Max Licato is a great guy. He wrote a book called Just Like Jesus. He also wrote a book on Advent. Um, and in a... In a um, in a lecture, uh, not a lecture, an interview that he had, um, one of the questions that he was asked was, what do you say to someone who's maybe a little cynical, a little burned out, and is just not looking forward to Christmas anymore? So Christmas just gets a little bit much, whether it's the presents, whether it's the busyness of life, whatever that is. This is his response. Max Licato says, um, so what do you say to someone who's a little cynical, a little burned out, and is just not looking forward to Christmas anymore? Max Licato says, I'd say that that's an absolutely fair place to be. And if God is real, and I believe he is, then God can redeem anything, including a season. We have a God who's willing to get in the middle of the mess and the chaos with us, and whose presence with us is a game changer. It changes our situations. It changes our lives. If you feel cynical and burned out, let the burnout happen. Now, that's, um, that's quite an interesting thought. Because burnout leaves nothing of us. God isn't afraid of burnout. God, God isn't afraid of us when we don't have it all together. I think that's where grace is at its best. Say to God, I'm done. I'm checking out on Christmas. Then pray. So this is the important thing. It's not just camp fear. It's not just live in that space where you feel burnt out. It's actually inviting him into those situations where maybe you're not feeling all together. Then pray, so that's me, but what about you, God? You can rekindle in my heart the real wonder that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, cried the cry that broke 400 years of silence between the promise of God in Malachi and the first words in Matthew, because I need that. I believe that that's where God loves to step in and do what only God can do. God loves meeting us in our mess, and quite often we try and hide that mess from him. He loves meeting us in that mess. I think quite often we try and have it all together and try and show God the really nice, shiny parts of ourselves. God, look at how good I am with, um, 
Look at how good I am with my uh, lustful thoughts at the moment. Look at how shiny that is. <laughs> Doing really well. It's been three, two, one. Oh, crud. Okay, sorry, Lord. Um, Lord, look at how well I worship today. Look at how well, look at how tidy our house is today. You can come in today, Lord. Look at how tidy my house is, God. Whereas God's happy to come into the mess. In fact, that's where he works best. Isn't it the areas that we feel are irredeemable that God most needs to redeem in our lives? That's what Christmas and Advent is all about. He can redeem the irredeemable. He can lift up the broken. He can heal the brokenhearted. Just looking at the time. Christmas is more than just a celebration of Christ's arrival. In the light of Advent, Christmas becomes the fulfillment of the expectation that builds throughout that season. At Christmas, we we remember that God broke through into our earthly dimension. Through his birth, life, ministry, death and resurrection, Jesus Christ worked to restore the earth and all creation from within according to God's good plan and purpose. Our response as his followers is to join with him today and every day in his ongoing work of restoring the world to himself until the day that he returns. We're in the redemption business. We've partnered. If, we're, if we've got a God who redeemed us, part of our job as Christians and part of our role as Christians now is to help to redeem the rest of the world. That means that we get to go to the dark places. We get to go to the broken places. We get to redeem the irredeemable. You ever think of the irredeemable places in your life? It could be a person. It could be a situation. God calls us to redeem the irredeemable because that's what he did. He made a way. So in this way, Christmas calls us to a tangible response as followers of Jesus to live out incarnational spirituality, which is an expression of Christian faith that embodies the life of Christ in the world that we live. So we literally become the hands and feet of Jesus. We are an embodiment of Christ. You are an embodiment of Christ to those around you. You might be the only Christ that people see. So what aspects of him are you showing in your everyday lives? For some of us, it might be the baby, goo goo gaga, and we poo ourselves. No, that's probably not the best incarnation of Christ. Christ came as a baby. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I just, uh, it really spins me out. Mary had to change Christ's nappy because he pooped himself. <laughs> I'll land the plane, it's okay. <laughs> when the Jewish people thought that the Messiah was coming, they thought he'd come as this sort of avenging warrior that would sweep over the culture of the world. Instead, he came as a baby. He came vulnerable. He came vulnerable. He came literally as a seed or as a promise. And actually, the, um, and actually there was a journey and a process that Jesus went through before he began his ministry. Twelve years that we know of before he began to speak in the temple. Thirty years that we know of before, we, before he began to... Um, teach disciples to do what he was going to do and not just what he'd done but greater things that he had done Jesus not only came low like came from God into human form but he made himself the lowest of the low I love that thought 
See, the thing is, is that we live in the place between the pain of the world that we currently live in and the promise of what's to come. Well, what's the promise of what's to come? Revelations. Got to love going into Revelations. Everyone, like, bottoms tied in when you say Revelations. It's like, oh my goodness, here we go. It's okay, my pastor used to say that. So, you know, you're all right, Dusty. We have the hope of Revelation 21, 3 to 6. Oh my goodness, it's in one of the bad chapters too. Where the voice of the Lord spoke to John, and this is the glory that awaits us. This is the picture that we have. This is what it looks like to be redeemed. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. So God with us. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. So it's a God who's close to us, not far away. Not angry, but lives with us. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I love that thought of God wiping the tears, like literally wiping the tears from your eyes. So, like, that's not a picture of a distant God. That's a picture of intimacy. If I was to walk up and wipe Jay's tears away from his face, I would expect him to probably punch me at this point in time. All right? And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Behold, I am making all things new. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. God gives us this amazing promise and then ends with, This is as good as done. I am who I say I am, and I do what I say I will do. And not one thing can stand in my way. See, these are the words that glue us, uh, that glue, these words are the glue that holds believers together when everything around them is unraveling. And miscarriages and cancer, job changes, earthquakes, whatever. God is still a God who keeps his promises. When he says he will do something, he will do it. So when it comes to Advent, guys, the message is simply stop and remember that Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. Christmas is really about giving gifts. Uh, really, It really is about giving gifts because life's about giving. We're beneficiaries of so much of the richness of God in our lives. It's now our privilege to be able to be the, the exporters of what God has given to us and to the world. We have the answers to the questions that people don't even know they're asking at the moment. I think Christmas is a great season to give, but it's about giving out of what God has given us. And material gifts are a tangible way of telling people that we love them. Giving the right gift to someone can really value them. Even that is a picture of Jesus in the world. But if we lose sight of what Christ has given us and our ability to reflect that to the people around us, then we lose the meaning of Christmas altogether. See, we live in the zone between the pain and the promise, but the great thing is, is between the pain and the promise comes the pause. It's time to pause. Over this Christmas season, over this Advent season, I would encourage you guys to pause. Take a moment, slow down. For believers in Jesus... He said there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. There's going to be a kind of earth, just better, perfect. No more sorrow, no more sickness, no more pain, no more death, no more tears, no more devil, no more deception, no more decay. In a macro way, we're all stuck between the pain of reality in this broken world and the promise of Jesus in the world to come.
Advent is a season. Lots of people know about holidays. One day a year set apart. As Christians, the church calendar is about seasons, whole periods of time we enter enter into with a specific cry, a particular intention or for a reason. Advent is about anticipating the birth of Christ. It's about longing, desire, that which is yet to come, that which isn't here yet. And so we wait expectantly together with an ache because not everything is right, something is missing. See, Advent whispers in the dark, the not yet will be worth it. Old man Simeon stands in the temple holding the Christ child, rejoicing that now he can die because what he had been waiting for has actually arrived. And so each December, we enter into a season of waiting, expecting, longing. And see, the Spirit of God meets us in this ache. We ask God to enter into the deepest places of cynicism, bitterness and hardness where we have stopped believing that tomorrow can be better than today. If we sit there and we let God into all areas of our life, we open up. We soften oh, soften up. <laughs> we turn our hearts in the direction of that day. That day when the baby cries his first cry and we, surrounded by shepherds and angels and everybody in between, Celebrate that sound and time that brings our spirits everything that we've been longing for. I am, um, I'm just going to put some, oh no, hang on, we've got a worship team. <laughs> um, I'd love to pray for some people today. I, I really honestly, I, I've got to believe that if, um, if this has challenged me, like the whole idea of actually slowing down in the season, I can't be the only one that this challenges. Um, so I've got this verse. I was, I was thinking about, the, you know, Lord, what, what verse do you want for the altar call? Can I get the tinkler or the plinger? Plinger. <laughs> plinger. Not the pingers. No, the pingers. Are, it's a different church service. That's, a, that's another church. Um, and this is, um, this is the verse that I have, which is really interesting because it's the yoke, it's the yoke verse. So, like, I'll, I'll read the NIV version. And then I'll read the message version, and then I'll pray for you guys. And if you want prayer after that, then um, we'd love to pray for you. But here's the NIV version, just so you know what, which one it is. So Matthew 11, verse 28 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon, me, uh, upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For, your, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, Here's, um, here's the message version, which I just, I just love. So this is the same, same verse. Matthew 11, verse 28. It says, Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. And this is the bit that I love about it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that thought. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So that's my prayer for you guys today, that in this season, you'd find time to rest. You'll find time to pause. Um, You'll be able to meet with the one that created you and loved you so much that... um, 
He made a way for you guys to be together. Let me pray for you. Lord, I just thank you for this one, these wonderful men and women of God. I pray that in this season, in this silly season, Lord, you would help us to find the unforced rhythms of grace. Lord, that we would carry what you've called us to carry and we'd give up what you never called us to carry, Lord. Lord, we thank you so much that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Thank you so much that you've called us to live freely and lightly, so help us to follow you. Lord, help us to be the Christ in our, in our, um, in our world's and our situation. Help us to wait with confident expectation that the best is yet to come. Lord, help us to find pause in the place between the, the pain and the promise of God. Lord, be with each and every person here today. Draw us closer to you. Help us to slow down in this season of Advent. 